this morning, if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read a very familiar passage um, of Scripture. I'm going to read quite a few Scriptures this morning, quite a few verses, because I'm just going to read it all, and then we'll go back to it. Um, uh, but um, if you're into notes and you're writing, the title of this message is called Love in the Tank. And I've got a funny story about that after I wrote this title and this sermon. You know how God does things. Uh, he lets you live it out. And uh, so anyway, uh, if you would, turn your Bibles to me again to Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 20, verse 26, actually verse 25. And it goes on and it says this, Just then a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posed the question, Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? And Jesus replied, What does Moses teach us? What do you read in law? The religious scholar answered, It states you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your passion, all of your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. And Jesus said, That is correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, What do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus replied, Listen. And I will tell you, there was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road. And likewise, crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning he took his own money from his wallet and he gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me which one of the three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor. The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that even as we read this, that this would convict and this would challenge our hearts. God, that you would equip us to love beyond our own abilities, God, that you would allow us to meet the needs of those who are hurting and broken around us, God. Let your word fall deep in our hearts, God, that it would change and and it would transform, God, our ability to live out intentional. God, for those who are hurting and broken, we thank you, God, that your word never returns void. So, Lord, I thank you that your word would, right now in this moment, God, begin to go out and change and transform us from the inside out, Lord. And as we do this, Lord, Father, that we would be able to make you more famous today than yesterday. And if you believe that, say amen. So, this is a very interesting passage of scripture because Jesus, he, he uses some things really, really 
intentional in this parable. He could have used a lot of different things, but what he uses is intentional. And I think for us, what we have to do is we have to see in this world that we're living in right now, I think that, that as a church overall, we have, seen, we have seen how the true church really looks. And the real church really hasn't looked that great. If we were looking in America and we were to see overall the church is in, it's in trouble as far as its ability to be what Jesus is demonstrating here, right? And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about why I titled this Love in the Tank is because we all think we're full of love until we need to use it. Right? We all think we got a full tank of gas until we don't realize we're on E until we get on E. And then we're like, I've got to go from destination point A to B. And you realize you don't have enough gas to get there. So this is what happened. I wrote this sermon, Love in the Tank. And then this week, me and Jay, we do this as our ritual. We'll go and we'll get on the four-wheeler and we'll drive like two or three or four miles out from our house well, we've been, she loves to pick flowers and berries and all kinds of stuff. She's got to bring, she's probably brought 50, 100 bouquets of flowers to the, to the house since we started doing this. And so we're just having fun. We've been parked on the side of the road picking flowers and all these different things. And we start to leave and we're heading down. We're about two miles from the house. And all of a sudden the four-wheeler starts to sputter. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Starts to sputter a little bit more. I'm like, oh, man, did I turn the gas on? The gas is on. Okay. And before I know it, we're going downhill, so thank God for downhill, right? Thank God for gravity sometimes. And we get all the way down to the bottom of the hill, and it, I'm like, man, we are out of gas, I think. And I put it on reserve. I'm like, sure, this will get us home. I put it on reserve, and it, like, literally just shuts it off. I'm like, awesome. Great. I mean, what is reserve for? <laughs> I can't even get you two, two more minutes. And, uh, and so what happened? What do we do? We run out of gas. And we're literally, I'm sitting there stranded with my four-year-old daughter, and I'm like, well, awesome. This is cool. And so I had to call somebody. And I said, I had to say, hey, Kat, can you come grab my truck and bring it here? I've got a strap. And if I can't get it started or whatever, we'll just drag it. So here I am on my four-wheeler being dragged by my truck, walking by the neighbors, or driving by the neighbors and waving. And talk about humility. That will get you humble right there. We're driving on a four-wheeler getting pulled. I'm like, what is happening? And, and I think that this is where... This is where we as believers can find ourselves is that we say, man, we're full of love until love is challenged, until it, is, until it really is having to be expressed. And here, this is this, this scholar. This scholar, another terminology would be this expert. Okay, this, he says this, just then a religious expert stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrine. He posed this question, teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven. And see, here's the thing is that a lot of times what our love is, is it's based on what we need to get from God, right? Here, here this is this challenge. It's like, well, all, what do I have to do? What, what do I have to give just to get to what I want? Like wherever I'm trying to get in, in, in my relationship with God, what do I have to do just to get by? There's this requirement. And I think that what we have to do is we have to really reevaluate because a lot of times we can fall prey to being just this expert, this scholar who's just trying to get by with whatever is whatever's the standard, this requirement. Notice what he says. What's the requirement? What's a requirement? If you look at a requirement, what is it? A requirement meets the minimum standards, right? It's just whatever it takes to get there. And, and here Jesus begins to express, hey, let me give you a story. 
because you're just wanting to get by, but let me show you how the kingdom works and how it operates, right? And in, 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 in our society, we've got well, I hate you if you don't wear a mask. I hate you if you do wear a mask. I hate you if you're left. I hate you if you're right. I hate you if you're black. I hate you if you're white. I hate you if you're brown. There is so much hate in the world right now, and a lot of that hate is coming from the church. So here Jesus is saying, hey, you professional Christians, hey, you experts that show up to church every week, you're trying to just get by with the minimum requirements just so you can make it to heaven. And here Jesus is challenging us as a church, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to your friend, I'm talking to your husband, I'm talking to your wife, and I'm talking to me. That we have to, we have to become aware of us trying to just live by the requirements of, well, I'm just supposed to love people. This is what he says. Jesus responded, what does Moses teach us? And he just knows this because he's an expert. Sometimes we can know things, but we're not doing them, right? We can know things and it's like, well, I know I'm supposed to love people, but the last time I went to work, I was flipping somebody off because they cut up me off. Like, that's not love. Now you're like, how did he know? I know everything. <laughs> and he says this, the religious scholar answered, it states you must love the Lord your God, right? That's easy. Easy. It's easy to love the Lord, right? Because he doesn't. He doesn't give you anything back that just like offends you most of the time. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion. This is the passion translation. All your energy and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. But check this out. This is what the expert, the scholar states. This is what he says. After Jesus says, Jesus said, that is correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? <laughs> this is the problem with all of us. Let's be honest. Which one is my neighbor? Who do I have to love, and who do I not have to love? Who, do I, who can I love, and who do I not have to love? Right? We find ourselves in this predicament of who do I have to love? Your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? And he goes in and he goes in and he breaks through this whole parable. And he writes this parable as he's talking to, to this professional Christian, to this person who goes to church, who does all the things and throws up all the scriptures on Facebook and Instagram and does all the things that we as experts do, right? And he says, but you're not loving, you're not even doing the very minimum, which is loving your neighbor. And here's the point, is that love isn't a requirement but a result of your faith. Your, your faith, the reason that we love is not because it's a requirement. If love is a requirement for you, you're missing the entire point. Love is a fruit of my faith in Jesus. I can't not love because I am connected to God. Just like a grape can't help but be a grape because it's connected to the vine, it is what it is. And so love should come out of us because we are connected to Jesus. So our ability to love or not love is not contingent on the, on the, the duration of our salvation. It is a direct reflection of how we have been connected to the vine connected to the source, connected to Jesus. That's why he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because when you do that, 
the byproduct is your ability to love people that other people throw stones at and abuse and criticize and critique. And what would it look like if us, if we started changing the tone of how we love, that we would love people who don't think like us, believe like us, look like us? What would the American church look like right now? Because that's really all we have to go off of is what our church looks like, the, the big C, what it looks like, right? So, so the moment love becomes a requirement, it is no longer love, right? The moment that I am, I am required to love you, it is no longer love. This is what Jesus is trying to say. You are trying to live off of just trying to get into heaven. And in doing that, you just try to get by loving people who are easy to love. How many of you know it is easy to love people that you love? But the loving people is not loving people that get along with you. Loving people are people that have tone issues and attitudes and and they think differently and they're they're rude and they have a tone every time you talk to them and they just say stuff that gets under your skin. But you have to understand the reason that you came to Jesus is because he loved you in your mistakes. So what do you think is going to win people in the world? You telling them your theology on masks or not masks? Or your theology on why you've chosen left or right or why you think there is no systemic racism and there is or why? Like you understand that what we're doing is we're falling prey to culture. Instead of the culture of love, the culture of the kingdom, we're falling prey to all of these other things saying, this, if you don't stand up for this, then you aren't this. And I've felt such an urgency over the last three or four weeks that I've been stirring in my heart, hearing the Lord say, we've got to return to love. Love, not in a love that just like overlooks things. Jesus' love does not overlook things. Jesus' love confronts things with truth and with, with generosity, grace, and mercy, Right? But what we have to be careful with is that love isn't a requirement. It's not something that I have to do just barely getting by. It's something that I intentionally, whenever I am offended, I get the opportunity to love somebody in offense. I know that that is like hard to swallow. That is hard to do whenever somebody's offending you and you respond with love. But what's going to win that person? You arguing with them more and making sure that you leave feeling better because you're right? Or making sure that you're able to love them and show them grace and mercy because you don't care? At the end of the day, let's be honest. And I know I'm on this just for a moment, but let's be honest. Whether we wear masks or not wear masks, we're all going to heaven if we believe in Jesus. Right? So, so it, it's, to me, it's amazing what we've, what we've bought into with culture. That we will die on hills that don't mean anything. There is one hill and one man died on it and his name is Jesus and that's the hill that we should die on. And the world is trying to get us to start stirring and start fighting with each other because how many of you know if we start fighting each other, then the enemy doesn't have to do anything because now we're fighting each other instead of fighting the enemy which is trying to steal, kill, and to destroy all of those around us. Right? And so we can, be, we can be experts and we can look professional and we can do all the right things. But if love is just a requirement, then there's a lot of people who are going to leave hurt and broken and not hinder, helped and healed. Right? See, when there, when there is a heart issue, here we have to understand. There, right now, this man is exposing something. He's an expert, but he has a heart issue. And he's exposing something in his heart. Well, who's my neighbor? You realize what he's saying. 
who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love? He's trying to get out of loving people he doesn't want to love. Anybody ever been there? Somebody says something. <laughs> you were trying to get, see, that's, the, that's, that's what happens. That when, when there is a heart issue, there will be a struggle to love. Anybody else can agree with that? When it's hard, when you have a heart issue, it is hard to love that person. When they have a heart issue, it is hard to love them. Right? See, I think that we oftentimes think that coming to church fills the tank. That we get our, we get our tanks full when we come into to, to, to church or when we do certain aspects of things. Forgot, oh, I was, a, I, was, I was a good person this week, and so I filled up a little bit of my love tank. No, you can go from one outreach at a church and go cuss out your neighbor, literally. Why? Because here's the deal is that doing things don't connect and fill our tank. Us being with God fills our tank. That's why it says to love the Lord your God. If you can't love God, you can't love people. I mean, let's be honest. It is way easier to love people or God than it is to love people. Right? And so I think that as I've researched, I want this illustration. I'm going to show you something that I think that there, as we look in, in the world and as we look through what's going on in our world. I think we, we, have, we have, I should say, drank the Kool-Aid, right? We have drank the Haterade. And there are just all, we are lined up. We are, we are lined up with like, hey, man, you know what? Whatever your belief system is, you can just come and get you some Haterade and get filled up. But how many of you know that us drinking Haterade isn't changing the world? If it, if it did, oh, look at that. You can be overflowing with Haterade and it ain't changing anything. Here you go. Here you want some Haterade. And this is what we do is we try to get other people to drink the Haterade with us because here you go. It makes us feel better, right? If you can get somebody else on the Haterade train... You know what I'm saying? Then it justifies like, hey, I've got three people with me on the Haterade. And, you know, how's that tasting? It's like, oh, man, that's good. And what we do is we drink up Haterade. But how many of you know Jesus is trying to work? The very reason he came into the world is so that he could redeem the world, so that he could, so he could use us as people to love those who are hurting and broken. Oftentimes, this is full of pain. Haterade is only pain in liquid form. That This is what it is. It is people who have been hurt by church people. It is people who have been hurt by other people. What would happen is this would become a different thing if we would begin to love people instead of drink the, their very thing that people are, are, are just against. Right? And so Jesus begins to express this. He begins to break this out. And in verse 29, this is what he says. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? Right? What do you mean by my neighbor? And Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you. So here's the thing I want you to understand. Here's the second point that I want you to take is this, is that love doesn't look for who it doesn't have to serve. That man is trying to look for who he doesn't have to serve. He is looking for who he doesn't have to love. You've missed the entire point if, if you as a believer are looking for who you don't have to love. 
Jesus begins to break down this parable, and he begins to show you who you're required to love. Now, for us, this doesn't really connect directly because we don't understand the history in between the Samaritans and the Jews and, and all the different types of things that are going on here. But what he is saying is this, as he begins to break this down and says, look, your, na- your neighbor may not think like you. Your neighbor, your neighbor may not look like you. He may not believe like you. They're still your neighbor. That is the point. The point is, is whether they think, look, or believe like you, they're still your neighbor. And so here what we have to do is we have to say, okay, I have to take ownership of my neighbor. I have to take ownership of me loving my neighbor. And when I do that, things begin to shift. See, finding a reason not to love a specific person ensures you're missing the entire point. Love is not trying to miss out on having to love somebody. Like, think about how many times you've ran into somebody who hurt you, and you see them in the store. You see them in the grocery store. What is your immediate reaction? Bob and weave, baby. Bob and weave. (laughs) Right? Thank God for masks right now, because they don't know who I am. (laughs) Right? We have had less confrontation now than never because we're wearing masks, and nobody knows who we are. Is that you? No, that ain't me. Right? Is that you? Nope, not me. Right? And so here is the point. We are trying to avoid what God is maybe trying to present because he understands the power of love. He understands the power of embracing and connecting with God, and that allows you to love that person knowing that there may be some bitterness or some anger or some resentment between them. When's the last time you loved somebody you didn't like? Intentionally, when's the last time you've loved somebody you didn't agree with? When's the last time you became the good Samaritan? It's quiet. Because it is hard to love people that we don't want to love. But here's the deal. Jesus is requiring us. He's asking us. He's, he's equipped us to love beyond just, just the, 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 the standard of just, well, just trying to get by. He wants us to do extravagant love. Have you ever met somebody who you thought was going to be so offended by because of a situation and they loved you? And you're like, man, I did not expect that from them. What did that do? It opens up you to them. So here's this this great opportunity. We should thank God for COVID-19 in some senses because I believe that this is our greatest opportunity to be able to love people who are hurting and they're broken. They don't like Christians. They don't like people. I mean, some of them are grateful for COVID because they haven't had to leave the house. But this is our time to shine as a church. This is our time to love people who haven't been loved on in a long time. And, and love, what happens, I think, is ultimately that love has been shrunk down to an emotion instead of an action. And here's the problem with that, is that an emotion, maybe, then all it does is it comes down to if you feel like it or not. If you feel like loving people, then you do. And if you don't feel like it, then you don't. Love is not an emotion. Jesus did not get on the cross and say, I really feel like doing this today. 
He cried and prayed three times, God, let this pass me. Proving that love is not an emotion but a decision. It is action. Love in action. It is me moving my emotions out of the way to meet the needs of somebody else's emotions. And I know that this is elementary, but church, we need to go back to elementary school because because the church has to wake up and begin to love people and embrace people that are different and that are hurting and broken and that we've that, that have said things to us. Look, if, if you can't love people through social media, then don't use it. Like if you can't handle what people are going to say to you and you can't respond in love, then you can't handle it. And here's the power is that people through most social media, they can, they can say whatever they want to you from a distance. And they can hurt your feelings intentionally. But this is our opportunity to love them and say, hey, I didn't know you sent that, but maybe you're misunderstanding or, hey, let me just bring some clarity to whatever. What an opportunity to not allow an emotion to drive us, but an action for me to love an action. See, love isn't whether you feel like it or not. Love is our response ability as believers, right? Jesus says he is love. And love changed you and love changed me. And I think we forget that because it changed me, we forget and the enemy comes in and says, oh, it's not going to change them. But it changed you. It changed a lot of the people that are around you. Why doesn't it have the power to change them? And so Jesus goes through this illustration. And this is what he says. He says, soon, he says, listen, I'll tell you, there was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. When bandits robbed him along the way, they beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon, a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man, seeing him from a distance. The priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Now, here, to make this story just a little bit more impactful, here's the deal, is that if a Jewish man touched another man that was bleeding, he became defiled and he couldn't do what he was supposed to do. How many of you have been driving by and it's like, well, there's a flat tire, there's a situation, and I would really like to stop, but that would inhabit me from doing what I'm called to do. Here's the point, is that this Jewish priest was selfish. He cared more about what he needed to get done than the fact of this man being hurt and beaten and broken. And this is what happens is we fall prey to our own needs over another's needs. This is what is happening. This is a priest. This is a pastor. This is Brian who sees someone broken. What would you think of me if I took a picture of somebody on social media and threw it up there and said, man, this dude almost died. I didn't help him, though. Hopefully he gets help. You'd be like, what kind of pastor is, am, I, am I under? You would question my spirituality. You would question my love for people. And this is exactly what is happening. A Jewish man, so we could say the same race, the same beliefs, the same things, is still resisting to help somebody because of his own needs. See, here's the point. Let me go down to this next one. It goes on and says this. Later, a religious man, a Levite. Now, here's the thing. Jesus could have used any person he wanted. 
He could have said, and there was a carpenter who walked by. He could have said, oh, and there was a whatever, and he walked by. Uh, But he used two religious people. He's trying to help us see us. You realize that. He's trying to help us see which one do you fall into the category of. And he says, later a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan. Here's the deal. Samaritans and Jews, they don't intermingle. They don't like each other. They have different belief systems about God. They have all these different things. Here's the point. (laughs) You don't have to think like somebody and live like somebody and believe like somebody to help them. Like that is the point. That is what Jesus is trying to drive home, that you don't have to love people that think and, and live like you do. In fact, this is where you're called to love people. Here's the third point is this, is that love often requires you get messy before others get clean. Like we want people to start thinking like we think. We want people to have convictions like we have and love people like we love, but are we loving them? Like, we have to be willing to get dirty and messy for them to get clean. We have to be willing to get in their dirt for them to experience the love of God. Yet we stand on hills and we say, well, they are this and this, but God is asking you to climb that hill and get with those people and love them off of it. Right? So finally another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion. Notice that word, compassion. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting him, getting dirty, getting messy. How many you know he didn't say, hold on, let me put my latex gloves on? Pretty sure there wasn't any latex gloves rocking then. He just said, hey, you're in, you're in a painful season. I'm willing to help respond and love you where you're at. Here's the question for you and I. What are you passing up on that may be challenging and difficult that God is asking you to stop and touch? See, what these two men did was get close enough to judge it, but not touch it. These, the Jewish man and the Levite got close enough to say, ooh, that man's really bad. They got close enough to judge it and do nothing about it. And this is the problem, that we have to be really careful with being able to say, wow, have you seen, have you, have you heard, have you, Jesus wants to ask us, have you touched? Have you spoken? Have you loved? Have you responded? to those that are hurting and broken. Jesus used this parable to wake up the church so that we could see what we can fall prey to when we fall into religious rituals, when we fall into pray and and just living the life and going to church but, but not being connected to the Savior, is that we will get close enough to look at something and do nothing about it. This is the very thing that Jesus is trying to break from us and saying, look, we are called to not just love God, but 
as we love God, we should, by reaction, love our neighbor. So here we find ourselves that, look, love doesn't ever come through convenience. This Samaritan was actually being inconvenienced. But what happened is you, you saw this. He said, but he was moved with tender compassion. That when things come and, and you're, you're, you're given this opportunity to love, understand that it's rarely going to come through the lens of convenience. It's going to have to be compassion that moves you out of inconvenience into an opportunity to meet the needs of those that are hurting and broken around you. To have conversations with them, to call them and text them and to, to set up a coffee date and have a conversation. You know, when the whole racism thing just first started and all of that, there was a week or two that I began to pray about that. And, and, and I remember reaching out to Terrence and Obviously, I'm not black, and he's not white, so we have some differences as far as our skin color. But what I did is I didn't say, well, because of this, I called him and said, look, talk to me. Tell me what is going on in your world. Because I wanted to understand the pain that he may be embracing, that he may be going through. And I'm sure if you would talk to him, he appreciated that phone call. He, he said, wow, it, really makes, it makes other people realize that you care. It didn't mean that I could change anything that he was going through, but it, what it did let him know is that I am standing with you. I don't know the pain, but I will walk with you, and I will live life with you, and I will do what I can to embrace you and whatever pain you're going through. And I think a lot of times we have this weight of if I can't fix it, then I shouldn't respond. And that is completely opposite of what God is trying to get to the point here. If we will just sit down and have conversations or at least give some time because of compassion, maybe things will begin to shift and change. I mean, I didn't change the situation by meeting with Terrence. But what I did do is let him know there's one more person standing with you in your pain. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to become Samaritans. We've got to be the people who everybody can depend on knowing those people will love people. Those people will respond. They will react. They'll do something about it. Look, hate does one of two things. It either hardens your heart or it melts you. When you experience someone enduring hate, it either hardens you or it melts you. Don't allow what's happening in our world to start hardening your heart with how everybody else is believing. Here's the deal. What is Jesus telling you? With all the different things that we have going on in our country right now, what is Jesus telling you? How is Jesus asking you to respond? How is Jesus asking you to, 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 to react? Not you and not your friends and not how everybody else has done things. Because two out of three didn't do what Jesus asked them to do. There was only one who was willing to put up his own money. I love this. It says the next morning he took his own money from his own wallet. In other words, 
Love will cost you if you want it to count. How many of you know that that's what really makes people really know that you love them is when it costs you? And I think that we have to get back to the place where love costs us. Like it costs Christ his life. And it's going to cost us. I know that Jesus paid our sins and all of that, but there is still pain in the world and that we're going to have to walk through that pain for other people to embrace and experience love. And this is our opportunity. This is not an obstacle. This is an opportunity for us to love those who are different than us. And I believe that the church can come through 2020 better and with an awakening, with revival on our hearts and with our ability to love and, to, and to, to have compassion in a new way. Because here's the deal is that when you shut down, when you look at that and you walk away, your heart becomes hardened to the next situation that looks just like that. Oh, I've already seen that kind of a situation. And some of us, our hearts are hard because we've seen it over and over and over again. And we just, begin, we just get hard to it. And Jesus is saying, look, if you would stop and you would touch it, your heart would change. Like there is a very different, there is a very different commitment from here. Man, you are really in pain to having to take the time and say, look. I don't know what's going on, but you look like you're hurt. And beginning to interact with pain changes. Because from up there to here, there's a whole different view. And oftentimes, this is what our tendency is, is to stay at a distance just enough that we have sympathy, but not empathy. Those other two men, I think they had sympathy. I think they really did look at that situation and say, my gosh, that dude looks terrible. I mean, they really did a number on him. But empathy says, look, I'm not just called to look at something and, and see something and leave it there. I'm called to stop and respond and react and be the answer for them. Look, at the end of the day, all we really have is love. Like really, what is it that you could do to change the world if you didn't have love? And it's, it's a disadvantage for us to use it for something other than to help hurting people. So I challenge us to, look, this sermon isn't going to make you love people more. I get that. But what I hope it will do is encourage you to connect to God so that you can love and you can give grace and mercy to people who you haven't in the past. Because we're called and required. That word required, there is, that is the minimum standards to love people. So this is our opportunity to love a selfish world selflessly. Right? The world is constantly wanting from us. It's selfish. It wants, it wants, it wants. What an opportunity for us to give, to love, to go beyond our means, to go into a place of extravagant love, 
to meet those that are hurting and broken. You can stand with me as I close. There's a key word that they close this story out with. This is a key word I want you to leave with. And Jesus asked, so who was the neighbor? And this is his response. The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. It is not, it is not enough to have the knowledge. Like we can know all day long what we're supposed to do. Jesus accredited to the one that met the needs and loved those that needed love by demonstration. So that my prayer for us is that we would demonstrate love. That as we leave, that there would be opportunities to love through demonstration. What an opportunity that God has given the church in this season. I mean, I know we all want 2020 to be gone and pray that 2021 is better. But what is awaiting, a, what, what is awaiting 2020? What, what could I do this rest of the year to demonstrate God's love in a different way? Let me just pray as we, as we close out this morning. Father, I thank you, God, for this parable that you gave. That, God, you would fill our tanks with your presence, with your love. That, God, that we would be able to love people, hurting and broken people. People that have been hurt and they've been raised in a different mindset. They don't know you. God, allow us to love those who are in our world. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your example of giving when it wasn't convenient. Lord, we pray that we would embrace your spirit this morning, God, so that we could live out exactly what you've given us the opportunity to love out. So Lord, I pray every single life in here this morning, God, that as we are given the opportunity, God, that you would allow us to demonstrate love. God, where it's not going to be convenient and it's going to be messy, you would give us wisdom and insight on how to do it. We love you. And we thank you, God, that you loved us first. there's anybody in here under the sound of my voice that you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life you say I want to I give my life to Christ I want to surrender my life over to Jesus maybe you've prayed the prayer and you've never fully committed to living that out and you say I want to recommit my life to God if that's you this morning I want to 
ask if you would just slip your hand up if it's either one of those this morning. I just want to pray with you. Father, we thank you, God, that you would use us this week to love on people who are different than us, who see things different, who are hurting and in pain. God, give us the opportunity to demonstrate your love to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.